Welcome into another episode of the BCJ podcast brought to you as always by our great partners at the Holy Grail. Even though the Reds lost a crushing one today, I'm sure the beer was still ice cold and the food still delicious down at the Grail. Make sure you stop by before, after, during your Reds, Bearcats, Bengals games and uh, visit the people that su- visit the people that support us as they have done for a long time. Great, great partners, and you know, baseball season's drawing to a close, but we'll have plenty of t- d- post-game, pre-game, Bearcat watch parties with Chad and and everybody else there for the road games. So uh, make sure you support them and head downtown to the Holy Grill. Head downtown to the Holy Grill this weekend during the Kroger Wellness Festival. You might even uh, catch me on Friday uh, out and about doing doing some. Some real ops work. Uh, but with that, we are back and we are joined by a good friend, Colin Kennedy, who happens to have been on this show twice. And Oklahoma <laughs> has now gotten a commitment both times, right as we've about to start the show. So we are clearly a bit of good luck for the Sooners uh, recruiting department. Are they going to? send any you know gear or residual thank yous our way do you think an, an nil deal perhaps yes. i'm not i'm not 100 certain but yeah man we were talking about it before we go live both times i have hopped on this show with y'all and I, of course thank you for having me always excited to be here at cincinnati site in america but both times just before the start of these live streams Oklahoma has landed a four-star defensive end in the class of 2024 who has seen his commitment timeline go completely off the rails. If you'll remember correctly, OU fans who have tuned in, Wyatt Gilmore committed the last time I was on the show with these guys. Gilmore did not have a timeline set at all. We just got a notice, hey, it's going to happen sometime soon. We didn't know when. He popped literally just before I hopped on the show, and now here we are, Danny Okoye commits to Oklahoma. But he had also forgotten his keys in his car. So a lot of anxiety before I hop on the show. Oh, you fans probably want me on here a whole bunch with y'all, but I, my anxiety levels are just through the roof. Before well, you, uh, he, he gave me even like 15 minutes to spare. So you, uh, you were, <laughs> yeah. you were all good there before we get into this, this game, this first big 12 game for the Bearcats, this, this segment, when we talk big 12 is always brought to you by team ticker. I don't have the ad read. Chad's not on yet, but Team Ticker is damn awesome. It's like a mini scoreboard in your house, continuously running updates, schedules, scores. When your team scores, it lets you know. Like I think it's seven minutes of continuous information about your team. Aaron's got the, the big bear cat behind him. We got Michigan State now. They got Penn State now. 25% off your purchase. It says starting this whoa, Saturday. Whoa, whoa, twenty-five dollars. Let's oh, make 25 sure. Twenty-five dollars. Yes. Sorry, I didn't. <laughs> I got the wrong uh, symbol there. But uh, it says this Saturday. This ad's been up for a week or so. We hope it's still accurate. The, the dad is out playing volleyball with his kid. So blame blame that. Blame me. I don't know all the details. But team ticker, awesome. Bearcat. Are they, Are we? Are we Bearcat alums? Is that is that accurate, Aaron? Uh, yeah, it, it, the, the team ticker was started by Bearcat alums. There we go. Bearcat alums. So, again, support your fellow Bearcats. You know, 
Hopefully, uh, hopefully, come Saturday about three thirty, it's like shooting off fireworks with the you know big upset in the nip. But uh, but again, Colin Kennedy joining us. Let's get into this game. Uh, Dylan Gabriel. I want to start. You know, I almost always start with quarterbacks. Guy has been on fire through three games. You know, one of the highest efficiency passers in the country. One of the you know, best has a high, highest him and Emory Jones actually lead the Big 12 on completion percentage, basically on deep ball throws. Um, what has he improved on a lot from last year? And you know, kind of like what are the biggest factors to the early success that he's had running the OU offense? Yeah, I mean, it's funny to think about this too, David. He's probably looking even better if a couple of drops by Oklahoma wide receivers are catches. I mean, it's, I keep thinking about that. He's at what 82 and percent completion and it's probably up closer to like 85 or something nuts. If a couple of guys bring in the football, but yeah, look, we can get into the numbers, right? I mean, you mentioned it briefly. If you go look at Sooners Illustrated or whatever, you're going to find out statistically that this dude is legitimately on fire, but, but then you turn on the tape, and this dude is legitimately dealing. Like, I, I'm pretty sure he's averaging about a little more than 11 yards per completion. So it's not like it's dink and dunk all the time, which there have been episodes of that, David. But for the large part, whenever Dylan has been asked to distribute the football to all portions of the field, he is delivered time and again. And I think that what Dylan has done a lot better. Number one, I, I think what has helped him out is a little bit more of continuity around him and maybe not necessarily from a personnel standpoint. Right. But last year, Dylan was really the only guy who had a ton of familiarity with this system. Obviously he had spent time with Jeff Levy at UCF. They were there together when the Knights were just on fire offensively. And so when Gabriel made his last minute transfer, he was stepping in as kind of a very fresh face, but was really the only guy who knew what he was doing when Levy was making the calls. And, and outside of that, I mean, once you get more members of the depth chart familiar with what you're trying to accomplish offensively, like that's going to help the quarterback position naturally. But I think as well, he stayed healthy, right? I mean, this is a guy who time and again has seen his seasons derailed by unfortunate injuries. Uh, specifically for the most part, like upper body injuries, which has been scary. Um, and and the, the next part of that too is I think his arms gotten really strong. He's accurate again, but sometimes there were questions about could he complete the deep ball? Like could he push the ball downfield enough so that receivers didn't have to adjust, get back underneath it? Could he hit certain spots on the field? Like he maybe had tendencies as a quarterback that would tell you, okay, if they're going to, throw the football, they are likely targeting this certain section of the field. And that's not really the case anymore. So Dylan has become a complete quarterback. And whether or not you want to argue, oh, you know, he's either gotten bigger, faster, stronger, or more experienced, or he's been pushed by Jackson Arnold, I don't really care what you want to say. I, the guy is just on fire right now, and, and he is the unquestioned leader of this Oklahoma team. Yeah, it is interesting because I remember when we talked over the summer, it wasn't – I don't think it was a real thing, but like we had, we talked openly about like, could Jackson Arnold get like, could he be the starting quarterback by the time this game happened? Um, mm -hmm. And that's clearly not the case. I mean, he's played some because they've blown out two other three 
opponents, but uh, you know, he's he's not that this is not a quarterback competition in the slightest. No, and and what's funny is when we were talking about this last time here on the show, David, like we were saying, okay, what's the realistic timeline? And, and I was saying, in my opinion, this was Gabriel's job up until around the bye week to Texas week, right? I mean, yeah. they they were going to let this guy ride it out. It's his last year in Oklahoma officially. They wanted to see if he could truly take command of this offense and of this team in general. And if he could, they, they felt good about the success level that they could have. Now, a little bit of a preview towards this game, because you mentioned it, Jackson Arnold is playing, like yeah. you mentioned. But it's not just garbage time either. I mean, Oklahoma has built in a package for him that fans are ironically calling the jackhammer right now. They don't have a they don't have a catch name like the Belldozer back in the day with Blake Bell. So it's it's the jackhammer for the time being. Hasn't been up to snuff. I think a lot of fans in Oklahoma are still kind of questioning the Jackson Arnold package feature, but no one's questioning Dylan Gabriel. No. And that's that's huge. I mean, yeah. I can't understate or overstate like how important that is for Oklahoma because if you could have both of those guys playing well and if you could have dylan gabriel distributing it would allow jackson arnold to settle in contribute in certain ways exactly like you're saying but then also you'd have a guy who's very familiar with exactly what you're trying to accomplish go out there and execute and you're not having to ask a freshman to do that job so it's, it's yeah. worked out perfectly for oklahoma i think like looking into the season that there was talent but also some unknowns with the pass catchers and who's maybe exceeded expectations so far for you guys yeah man it's it's interesting because going into this game it's kind of a a, a strength on strength scenario in some ways but there are also some some areas of the field that i want to familiarize myself a little bit more with this matchup but i think that definitely starts with the battle between cincinnati's pass coverage and oklahoma's passing game i mean this is one where nick anderson has really started to come into his own former highly rated player out of Katie, Texas. If you know anything about Texas high school football, Katie is a, a powerhouse. Andy I mean, Dalton, he, baby. The red, yeah, man, red traditional, <laughs> just as good as it gets. Andy Dalton, former Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, is a Katie product. I, Nick Anderson was in a very pro-style offense, wasn't able to be a true wide receiver, then got to Oklahoma, got banged up. He, he – Learned how to be a professional at Katy, but he wasn't able to actually get on the field at Oklahoma because of some injuries. Now that he's healthy, I mean, he's been really impressive. Jaleel Farouk has really started to come on as of late. We knew he'd be the number one wide receiver type, but between attention he's getting and maybe some early kinks being worked out in this offense, you've seen him over the past couple of games get more attention and targets. Andrew Anthony is the guy coming in from Michigan who has I, – I mean, I, I think he's arguably been the biggest storyline within this Oklahoma offense out of the game. And why is that? He not only has contributed in a major way statistically, but he's blocked well in the run game, and he plays his role extremely well. Even when he's not getting the big catch, David, like he – he essentially plays the role within this Oklahoma offense and Jeff Levy's system where he's going to be the guy that stretches the field vertically and will either obviously make those defensive backs play back and create space underneath him, or he's going to get that P.I. call because he's just constantly stressing you out down the field. And then you've got Gavin Freeman, the, the former walk-on wide receiver who's played well. Drake Stoops, I don't need to talk about Drake Stoops. Long story short, 
we knew they had talent, like you mentioned, but it was a matter of who was going to step up. And it's it's kind of weird to say that, like, generally they all have. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't have a passing offense that's been as successful as theirs if it's just one or two guys. Like, it kind of yeah. has to spread out between everybody. Um, in the SMU game, they were slowed down considerably and – you know, scored two late touchdowns real quick to make it look a lot different than it probably really was. What did SMU do in that game that obviously Arkansas State and Tulsa couldn't do, but that you see with what they do defensively might be able to replicate? Yeah, it was it was fascinating. That SMU game, I learned a ton about how teams perceive this offense, a unique approach that was taken in order to maybe throw Oklahoma off their game. And the basis of it, David was was cover three. So I have watched the tape back after that offensive struggle. And I'm I'm looking, I'm like, all right, they're throwing a ton of zone looks. But because of the TV cut, you know, obviously yeah, we, you can't tell. I couldn't tell exactly what they were doing. I could see that the corners were bailing out and they mm-hmm. had a safety over the top in pre-snap, but obviously the buzz downs and all that stuff, you want to kind of get your variant. So I, I see what I think is cover three. And I talked to some people I know at SMU, obviously living down here in DFW, and I was like, hey, look, you don't have to tell me anything. Just verify something for me if you can. Like, it's my own observation. Were y'all just running a ton of cover three? And I got it confirmed. Yeah, like we yeah. we were clever with it. Now, I want, I want to make it clear. It wasn't just one simple look. Right, like cloud coverage and, and a lot of different stuff with it. But, yeah, they're not – which is exactly. gonna, it's going to make this game interesting because I'm not sure if UC knows how to play any zone. I mean, they're an in-your-face man-to-man team, and are they going to live and die with that strategy against this type of an offense, or do we see more looks like what SMU did? And that's the biggest thing is you look at the Tulsa tape, and I, I wrote it in my rapid reactions, and then again afterwards. Those first couple of drives, Tulsa's in – man coverage, bringing safeties on a blitz, dropping them down and leaving corners on an island. And I legitimately was sitting on my couch at home like, what the hell are y'all doing? I mean, yeah. do you not know who you're playing right now? And so you saw the offensive explosion that was out in Tulsa, right? But in contrast, SMU's entire basis was we're going to protect the top and then we're going to clog a bunch of throwing lanes underneath with a bunch of guys in the middle of the field and zone. We can essentially create those brackets, right? And so it's going to make things really hard to execute, whether it's deep, in the middle. And from there, we're just going to force you to either complete underneath, run the ball, or we're going to see if Dylan Gabriel wants to take off because we can close downhill in a hurry. So it was a very smart game plan from SMU's defensive coordinator. And again, I was told by guys in SMU, like, our defensive coordinator is legit. Like, they had a lot of creative sort of approaches in that basis system. But, yeah, I mean, it it worked out. And I I think it's something that I fully expect more teams to try and run against Oklahoma moving forward. But I think it's interesting, like you mentioned, if it's more a Cincinnati approach of, like, what we saw Tulsa do, then this is something where you're probably Oklahoma saying, let's go out and get this thing. Yeah, I mean, you see – pressures as much as any like this staff granted it's only been three games but the louisville same louisville staff i mean they've led the nation in sacks last year they prep i mean we pressure 
play after I mean fourth and nine against Pittsburgh, they brought seven <laughs> and sacked the quarterback on like you know the, pretty much the game ending play. So it's like you know with the amount of you know Gabriel's certainly hitting deep shots, but I mean they run a ton of quick game, a ton of horizontal stuff, just as much as vertical. So it's like how much are you willing to do that and put your guys in continuous one-on-one situations where you know how you know how many times do you think that you'll be able to stop them from from hitting those chunk plays yeah and and i always like to go into games right and you know put the headset on quote unquote and say all right if i'm the defensive coordinator or i'm the offensive coordinator of this matchup what am i doing and in our chat today at sooners illustrated i was asked about what kind of approach is there to be expected from oklahoma in this game and in my opinion based on what Cincinnati can do pressure-wise, right, bringing a ton of guys. But then also I think a key note in this game, David, is that battle between Cincinnati's defensive front and Oklahoma's offensive line. I mean, if there is a weak point, arguably, it's this front five right now. And I think that they're really talented. When they're on, they maul people. But there's not a lot of continuity there. And it's shown at times. I mean, they might be playing a a freshman tackle – at left guard in this game. Both, obviously, tackles are essentially first-year starters, quote-unquote, at OU. Tyler Guyton's played with Oklahoma before, but first full season, really getting his reps at right tackle. Walter Rouse came in from Stanford. He's played well at times, played poorly at times. Sometimes he's been the victim of a lot of penalty calls as well. I I think the big thing there, and this is something that I obviously asked you for behind the enemy line stuff, uh, Sooners Illustrated coming up. Like, what is this defensive line like outside of Dante Corleone? Because Oklahoma's talked about it all week this week. Yeah, I mean, he's he's what he is. I mean, you just you don't have to watch too much to see what he is. But I think, and it's interesting you bring uh, that was kind of my next question: is UC strength is up front? How has OU's line play been? And it's interesting you bring up like possibly a freshman at guard and some new some quote unquote new starters at tackle. UC's D-line is a power D-line. Like, you have a sixth-year defensive end in Malik Van, and they're also old as hell. Sixth-year defensive end in Malik Van. You got a fifth-year defensive end in Jawan Briggs that, you know, Briggs is another 300-pounder that's, strong, you know, super strong, whatever. But, like, they don't really have the Nick Benito type for, for any of the Oklahoma fans that are listening. Like, their, yeah. ends, their ends are 6'3", 6'4", 260, 270. You know, Briggs, they play three-man front. Briggs is an end at 300. Van's in there at, you know, 270, 280. So they are a power defensive line that is older. So I think that'll be interesting how with all of the blitzes that UC runs and all of the ways that they bring guys from different angles, how the Oklahoma, whether it's inexperienced or just inconsistent play along the line, how they handle all that on Saturday. Yeah, man, I, I think that if Oklahoma's offensive line comes to play, then there potentially is an advantage there, right? I mean, because of the password. And that's the other thing, too, that I should mention to clarify. Oklahoma has been really good in pass protection so far, and, and understandably so. I mean, they've got guys on paper who should be elite offensive tackles. McCabe Metower at right guards played with them for a little bit now. He's been in college football for a long time. Andrew Rame, same thing, continuity there at center. And then they had Savion Bird, young guy coming up at left guard. He's banged up. I'm not expecting him to play in this game. Potentially enter either Caden Green 
freshman who's been playing tackle but recently just got worked in a guard, or Troy Everett, a transfer who they brought in from App State. UC recruited him too, so I'm familiar with that name. Yeah, he might be playing left guard in this game as well. So they protected well, but the run game stuff specifically has been a little bit of a weakness. So Cincinnati's defensive front being the big bodies that it is, right, if they're disrupting on rundowns and you see them causing havoc in these run plays, I mean, I would assume that then naturally presents some issues because while OU's front five has pass protected well, when you're going up against those defensive linemen and with those frames and you're having to communicate, all right, we've got six-man pressure, seven-man, whatever, I, that's that's a lot to handle, and it's why I'm really fascinated by the lines of scrimmage in this game. Yeah. Uh, not many offenses. I think OU's defense has probably been a, a big surprise jumping from what they did last year to this year. And not many offenses have had success against them. When they have, which has been out, you know, few and far between, I think they're what averaging giving up less than 10 points a game so far. What yeah. you know, has it been just a couple broken plays? Has has anybody put any decent drives together? Like how how has that looked? Yeah, I think when there is success, a lot of it comes down to poor coverage in the back end. Now, there, there's two sides of this argument, depending on who you are, if you're like the Oklahoma fans over at Sooners Illustrated. And I, I hear both sides of the argument. One side, oh, a lot of those guys, they're new faces in the secondary. They haven't communicated well, busted coverages, uh, a lack of awareness in zones, stuff like that. And I've seen that on tape, and I think in some instances that's a fair argument. But then the flip side of this, while Oklahoma has been elite in run defense, they have not necessarily rushed the passer at like an elite level. I was going to say, I was looking at some stuff like six sacks and not not a ton of just pressure in general. Right. And so it's kind of like which side of the coin are you hoping to flip towards? You know, like you want heads or tails. And I think for me – I'll say this when like, for example, Cardell Williams came in for Tulsa, who was a really talented quarterback out of the Houston area. I mean, he came in and threw the ball downfield when Preston stone at SMU, when he was getting SMU's offense going a little bit, he was shifting the pocket, altering placement of the ball and then finding the holes downfield. And it led to, drives not only maybe consistent drives but that feature maybe some chunk plays Mm -hmm. and so I think that then comes down to Emory Jones ability to not necessarily be a runner first is he able to extend the play rather than take over the play because I think if he does that especially with some of the injuries that we're seeing in the secondary for Oklahoma right now there could be opportunities downfield for him to move yeah. the chain. You so. asked me in that article, you asked me about like him specifically, and I put probably the most surprising thing through three games to me has been his accuracy on the deep ball, which you mentioned earlier, him and Gabriel have the lead the conference in air yard throws over 20 yards. And especially against Pitt, when he was moving, he was – unbelievably accurate like in that 15 to 20 yard range on several big like high leverage type throws and that's really surprised me because i mean you can be accurate but 
if you're just standing in one spot the whole time, but he's he's shown to be pretty accurate when they half roll him or or he is forced to be outside the pocket. And so it'll be you know interesting how that dynamic works because he's obviously going to run the ball. I mean, he ran the ball well. He's run the ball fairly well every game. And that kind of goes into what, you know, kind of a, a theme is like, I imagine UC wants to run the ball, run the ball and run it some more, control the clock and, and, you know, just see what the defense does. But, you know, if you're saying that the best way to maybe beat them is to throw it over the, you know, if you can protect it, it makes, again, it's kind of like interesting because of the way we talked about offense and on your guys offense and our defense being that we don't really see any zone and that might be the best way to, to do it. And, you know, I'm just, you said that they've uh, been good against the run has, you know, has, has that been, how much of that, I guess, do you think is what they've done versus the teams they've played? Like, yeah. No, it's a fair like, I think they're going to see a totally different running. Like, UC runs a wide zone scheme. I don't think anybody they played runs that, for one. And then just the the caliber of the running back and how they want to run the ball with the running quarterback. Like, you know, we'll get into this later. But, like, I'm just wondering how you guys view it as, like, a, is this our first kind of, like, not litmus test that UC is some, like, great team or whatever. But I think they have more skill and more talent than anybody OU's played yet, especially when it's, OU's offense versus UC's defense? No, without a doubt. Like It's a great question to ask because at the end of the day, so Brent Venables had a goal going into the season, right? Specifically from a run defense perspective, he wanted to cut the yards per carry average in half. Like that was his goal. And to this point, like they've accomplished that. They're averaging just 2.29 yards per rush attempt allowed to opponents. Uh, I think some of that has to do with the fact that the defensive depth has really helped here. Like Danny Stutzman, I think a year ago was just tackling all over the field, but was getting really tired and he was catching guys at the second level. He's very disruptive because I think a lot of that has to do with their rotating guys are keeping him fresh. They're allowing him to be more aggressive. Yeah. I, I think some of it has to do with maybe Oklahoma itself rather than the opponents that they're playing. Because, again, I mean, I, they, I don't think they had more than two linebackers they trusted. So, yeah. now, I think another part of that, too, is of the defensive line from a run game stuffing perspective, a lot better. Way better depth of defensive tackle. Rondell Bothroyd has come in and, and, and played well. Ethan Downs is playing well. But the other part of that, too, is like, I think SMU's a, a good – team when it comes to running the football i mean do i think that they're great maybe not a hundred percent they're also like not committed to do it like that's not what their mo is and then you you blow out a couple teams well they're not going to run the ball at all because hardly at all because they're you know they're they're having if they have any interest in trying to win at least they're not going to so yeah i i can't i can't remember i can't remember the exact number of throws Preston Stone had of that game, but I swear it was like in the mid forties. I mean, yeah. he he had to throw the ball a ton. Tulsa was a team that wanted to run the ball for obvious reasons, not mm-hmm. only because they liked their running backs, but because they had, they started the game out with their third string quarterback. Yeah. Both the top guys at quarterback and hurt. 
something. And so it didn't work very well. And then, that, you know, OU comes out, scores on basically every single possession. What are you going to do? See, so, yeah, like I, I think it's, again, there's a reason, the best way I can put it, there's a reason why Brent Venables has talked so much about Cincinnati's run game this week. I think he's legitimately – been interested in this matchup and Ted Roof, the defensive coordinator has talked a lot about it as well. These players, like I think that they all kind of understand it's a completely different defense from a run stopping perspective because of the depth and the new personnel. I mean, so many guys on this defense, David are new guys. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So they've improved in that aspect, but has that personnel faced a run game like Cincinnati's, I think they would tell you themselves, absolutely not. Yeah, it'll, I mean, it'll be interesting because UC's, I mean, they're going to want to do that. They got big backs and a quarterback that is more than willing to run. So how much of that, you know, do they have any early success with that, which maybe creeps up some guys, and then, I mean, they they want to run the ball and throw it over the top. So, Dude, you know. if I were Cincinnati and let's say I won the coin toss, I would receive the ball out of the gate. I mean, take the ball – run your offense, try and milk that clock and go put the ball in the end zone and immediately apply pressure. You know yeah. what I mean? Like make it a little bit of a, of a, a pressure situation for you. Cause they're, I do think that they're legitimately nervous about this run game. And like you mentioned, exactly teams have been punched in the mouth by Oklahoma offensively and had to play the catch up game. If Cincinnati does the opposite, I mean, now we're complaining, we're seeing a completely different scenario. Hello, Don't Chad. go three and out and give Oklahoma the ball back. <laughs> and that's the flip side of the coin. What's up, Chad? <laughs> Not much. Just uh, just got done with some uh, some intense eighth grade girls volleyball action. So nice with Dave's son. Yeah. Not on the team. Long long story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dave, Dave's son was was there spectating without yeah. Dave. Yeah. He only made I would, hope, I would hope like you weren't on the court just spiking the ball and all that. I, that's my hope. So. Oh, I'm not no, surprised. I was holding Will up, and Will was, you know, there you Will go. was getting there some shots. Go. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised he only made it one game. <laughs> I mean, he was a trooper. He made it till the end of the first game. So, so Will. So, I'll um, we'll get you out of here on this one. I I personally think Oklahoma is pretty damn good. I think. This game will tell me, are they like Big 12? Not that it will tell me, but like it's, I don't know how much you take from Arkansas State and Tulsa. They, they made Bush Jones cry. Butch Jones yeah, you made, cry. You made, you made former Bearcat coach Butch Jones cry. What the hell, Colin? That was, it was bad too. I actually was, <laughs> I saw that and I was like, I saw totally justified. Yeah, like totally justified. Man. Like they're, they're the third worst team in uh, FBS in Sagarin, and there are probably 30 to 40 FCS teams ranked ahead of them. That's how bad they are. Yeah, it's just <laughs> but like, how are you How are you guys viewing this? Because, like, I don't think UC is, like, great or anything, but I do feel like there's some spots where they could cause issues, and if Oklahoma were to come in and say win by three touchdowns, are you guys like, man, we might actually be, you know, pretty damn good that's what you know yeah we're we're trying to do like a staff roundtable later this week on 
two things we each learned, quote unquote, about Oklahoma non-con. Because that's like one of the biggest discussion points around OU right now, right? Like, what the hell is there actually to know about this team because of what's taking place? I mean, not only did you beat the crap out of one of the worst teams in the FBS in Arkansas State, but Tulsa had to start the game with their third string quarterback. And you were you basically had a home field crowd. Oh, I saw a couple – I saw – Flipping through like the other day was on. I'm like, was this game at Oklahoma? I mean, yeah. we know that Tulsa has no crowd to begin with uh, from playing them, but like it was literally just an entire stadium of red. It's they were saying Oklahoma wanted to smoke. It, it was it was hilarious because like during the broadcast, they were trying to help Tulsa and being like, it's the smallest student body in all the FBS or something like that. And I was like, I don't think it matters, guys. Like I appreciate the effort. <laughs> yeah. but- I don't know. I, they were probably getting fleeced out of tickets by OU fans, anyways. So I would have sold my. If I'm a Tulsa fan, I'm selling my tickets to Oklahoma fan. Are you kidding? Oh, dude. I, and that's my thing. It's like, well, okay, if it would have been a bigger student body, that's just more money going into those kids' pockets. So I don't know. I, I think for me, I, like exactly what I mentioned, I learned a lot about this team when they faced SMU. And I do think that there are things you can take away from those other games, like the wide receiver depth being a little bit more verified because those those guys are actually getting games under their belt. Like, that's big. But, yeah, I, I still think this is somewhat of an unknown. And the bottom line here, too, is, like, they started 3-0 and last year, and what happened next? So I do think that this is a better team. But in, in general, there's still a lot that has to be identified, and I think that's why they would tell you this is arguably their first real test as they get into Big 12 play. We, we also could not forget that Dylan Gabriel has some bad juju with Nippert Stadium. Did anyone ask hey, him about know? his return to Nippert Stadium? <laughs> but he was 0-2 against Tulsa all the time as well, and we saw how that one that is, that is true. That is true. Yeah. But, uh, but, and, uh, Sauce, and Sauce Gardner is not playing corner for, for UC anymore. I, I think he's very pleased with that one. <laughs> Most well. are. But yeah, and that's the other part of that too is you mentioned the learning stuff too real quick. Like there are also injuries that have made this a little bit of an unknown commodity of the team as well, which now we're going to really find out if that depth is legit when they play Cincinnati on the road. Chad, you got anything? I mean, we've, we've been going strong for about 30 minutes here, so. I didn't catch a lot of what you guys talked about, so I don't really want to repeat anything, but um what what could we expect from the Oklahoma contingent making the trip to Cincinnati? You think it's going to be pretty large or? I I think that there are a lot of Oklahoma fans gearing up for this game. I mean, I, I, I asked David to help me out with the behind enemy lines piece for Sooners Illustrated. And I had to ask him like, all right, give me some places to hit. Like where should Oklahoma fans go? Cause I, I had questions in my VIP thread today you know where I should park in Cincinnati? I'm like, I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> how, how the hell do I know? But, I, I actually mentioned that in the article about parking. Um, I mean, as I'm, as I'm sure your fans know, it's an urban urban campus. So parking is not something that is uh, plentiful for, for road road fan bases. You didn't get credentialed parking? No, no, no. Like He's talking about media parking? Fans. Oh, all for right. Fans. For fans. All right. But the good news sure is, is if they like beer, this is definitely the city to come to. 
I, I would tell you through sources that Oklahoma fans like beer. That's, yeah. that's so, a definite thing. And they can, at the game, they can buy Cincy Light and help pay our players. So it kind of works out twofold there. They can have some nice cold beers and put some NIL money into Bearcats' pockets. Well, there we go. So OU is <laughs> going to get y'all an NIL deal done for helping out with two four-star defensive end commitments. That's and right. Oklahoma fans are going to do their part and buy the Cincinnati beer and help Cincinnati go on to a bright future in the that's, Big 12. That's right. You guys go to the SEC, do your thing, just buy, you know, a couple beers for us and, and help and us I'll, out. And then in turn, I'll just like randomly barge into one of y'all's podcasts and some four-star defensive lineman is going to commit to Oklahoma again. Yeah. It's perfect. Every time. It's perfect. Every yeah. time. Uh, I, would tell, I would tell the Oklahoma fans, and this probably Dave didn't mention this, but when you if you fly into – CPG. It's actually in Kentucky. And there is a place close by called La Torta Loca, right kind of close to the airport, that has sandwiches, tortas that are like, like, it looks like a football. Like they are massive, massive, and they are delicious. I, I can get with that. I think I, I speak oh, for a lot of fantastic. I think people, they'll get with that. But what are you coming in? I will be there. I, I I do all our recruiting stuff as well. So okay. I'm going to be in Houston this weekend, but we'll have three guys there, uh, James, Josh, and Tom. So make sure you all grab them and say what's up. I, I told them to look for you guys. So, <laughs> well, I have a tailgate. I have a tailgate, so send them my information. And if they get, there, if they get there early and just want to come get some food, that's probably way better than whatever they're going to get in the media area. And Eat at Dave's tailgate. They can That's come a, up to number one. They can come up. So, I'll, tell, I'll tell them how to get to our tailgate. I, I it's funny enough. I actually I felt bad because Tom and James are both new to the Oklahoma beat, and it was their first road game on the OU beat at Tulsa, and it was basically a home game just yeah. with less fans. So I was like, hopefully our guys will show them a good time out there at Cincinnati because this is actually a road game. So but yeah, I'll um I'll message you my number, and you can give it to them. Tell them, text me. You know, Saturday morning or whatever, and I'll tell them where we're at. Just be careful. They will be offered jello shots at Dave's tailgate. It, at corporate, the if, if the corporate mustaches are listening, I do not condone such activity. <laughs> and I have no idea what the phrase jello shots even is. So, yeah. For some reason, the, the Simone family has a deep, long standing affinity for jello shots. I mean, it's, it's a wild deal. Corporate right. speak aside, who who does? Exactly, so, exactly. I, I don't know. We'll see. That's their business. I'll be in Houston again. I will not be associated with any activity. So I I, I refrain, but you know, <laughs> I've seen my employees. Uh, I've turned my back to have plausible deniability multiple times. Well, you know, look, man, it's about creating a fun work environment, right? <laughs> I, well, this it's in the contract I have with Chad. I go to the game as a fan. I'm not a big, I drink water. A, a big J journalist. So I tailgate, I sit in stands, and I have, have fun. We actually do an over-under at the end of this show on how many drinks Dave will have uh, by the end of the game. 
That's, that's, the next, that's the next show I'm going to hop on because I'm going to have to take a stab at that one for some cash. <laughs> that's a weekly segment that we do on this show during the season for home games. Uh, the, how many drinks plus jello shots will Dave consume by the end of the game? And, well, the good news there, too, is I'll have, I'll have reconnaissance on site to help me project oh, yeah. exactly oh, yeah. what my bet needs to be. Yeah, tell him, tell him to, to text me and then come up, get some... I'm assuming because it's a noon game, we might be doing like a breakfast tailgate. So tell them come up, get some food, and uh, you know, hang out for a little bit before they go in and do their work. But yeah, they're more than welcome to stop by. Yeah, fellas, I appreciate y'all. You know, again, I was really excited to hop back on. Tell everybody Thanks, real quick where I know you guys have been pumping out a ton of content for this, all the games, but you know, this game in particular for UC fans. So tell everybody where they can can find you guys. Yeah, SoonersIllustrated.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at CKennedy247. Tom Green is at Thomas underscore Verde. And then Josh Callaway, Josh Callaway2, and James Jackson is at James Jackson 15 or something like that. But, yeah, that's our crew. Uh, we'll be obviously full force out there, three guys in Cincinnati for the game with these guys, and then I'll be covering some recruiting stuff down in the Houston area. So, we're looking forward to it, man. We're pumped about this matchup, and I'm glad that both teams are are doing well, and, and hopefully it ends up being a banger of a game, man. I'm looking forward to it. Appreciate you, brother. All right, fellas. Y'all need anything, give me a shout. Thank you, Colin. Right. There you go. Colin Kennedy from Sooner Illustrated. It's uh, the second time we've had him on, and he's outstanding. What a what a great yeah. guest. I mean, it. It's great because I don't have to sit here and like do a ton of research on a team. <laughs> I can just have him tell it. Yeah. Um, did you do the ad reads? Where are we at on that? I, I didn't. I mean, I did the best I could. I don't have the ad read to read in front of me. So, okay. But that was the, the Big 12 opponent preview brought to you by Team Ticker. Okay. If the people do not know what Team Ticker is, I'm going to tell them in just a second. It's a one-of-a-kind sports design for Bearcat fans. It's a high-tech retro display that provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more. No subscription required. Um, actually, no betting odds. That's not in there anymore. Apparently, the NCAA did not, uh, did not love that. It's a local company started by two UC alumni. Uh, it's easy to hang with the provided hanging kit. At game time, it plays the fight song. It actually, it, it kind of scared the crap out of me, Dave. Uh, it played a fight song Sunday at one o'clock for the Bengals. Oh, oh like a, like the Cincinnati, like yeah. the Bengals fight yeah. song. Yeah, just like a little like snippet of it. But I was <laughs> here working on uh, the bites uh, because we didn't get done until very late Saturday night. So uh, yeah, and then and then the thing started. I was like, "Is that thing haunted? What happened?" But there you go. Aaron had the bear cat. There's the sea paw. Uh, Twenty five dollars off your purchase. Started Saturday. Teamticker.com. And again, if you know any Michigan State or Penn State fans, uh, they are both live now with their own designs uh, on Team Ticker as well. Great gifts. Awesome birthday gift for dad, father, son, whatever. Uh, so there you go. 
I did, I, is, I did say 25% off, and Aaron... $25 off. Thank, Aaron thankfully caught that very quickly and corrected Good. me. Good. Uh, also, that is your first timestamp brought to you by Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea, flavors, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. There's 50 locations in greater Cincinnati. Visit turtlesbrew.com for information and location, a portion of proceeds go to save the sea turtles. They are in Toledo and expanding now in central Ohio. Uh, if you would like to jump on the advertising train here at Bearcat Journal, we have we don't have any openings on this show. My goodness. Just like we, we got like five ad reads every time we do something. Um, but on the BBP, there's a little bit of openings. We've got George in the Jungle. We've got the breakfast or the brunch. The Bearcat Brunch that's got some secondary openings. Um, so if you are interested in jumping in and being a sponsor, the people that have been with us have stayed with us for a long time for a reason. This is a loyal fan base. And if you support us, they support you. So just hit me up in the DMs, either on Bearcat Journal or on Twix. Uh, that's what I'm calling it now, Dave. Twix. You're calling it what? I'm sorry. Twix. Why? Twitter and X combined. Oh, oh, okay. I'm calling it Twix. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I'm just gonna. I'm making always, up my own thing. I'm just gonna always call it Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I probably will always call it Twitter too. But ironically, when I don't call it Twitter, I'm gonna call it Twix. Perfect. Because that when you combine T W I yes. and X, you get Twix. Um, and I like Twix. They're delicious. So if they want to sponsor us. Feel free. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure they're listening. Mars or Hershey or whoever owns. Yeah. Them. Yeah. Give us a give us a call. Yeah. My DMs are open. Um. I do we need to talk about no. Last week. I have no interest, and there's. I mean, we know what happened. Like. Right. You guys talked about it extensively on Sunday. We talked about it on Monday. <clears throat> I don't really have a whole lot else left to say. Like. It's a terrible loss. They shouldn't ever terrible. have lost. It's inexcusable. I think there were some things that were better than maybe we realized at first glance. But if you score two touchdowns and eight red zone trips, what the hell do you think is going to happen? That's inexcusable. That's really yeah. all the is to say about it. It's all the angry words. Inexcusable. It's I'm embarrassed. Yeah, embarrassed. That's, 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 that's always embarrassed. my favorite. Like, I'm not embarrassed. I didn't have anything to do with the game. Right. I just <laughs> talk about it. <laughs> but and no. Somebody I mean, asked me how my weekend was. I was like, it could have been better. But yeah, I, I mean, mean, my family went 0 for 0 and 5 in football <laughs> games. So, like, yeah, it could have been better. <laughs> Michigan State, Tennessee, UC, the Bengals, and the Lions. Like, could have been better. But guess what? You know, oh well. Uh, but no, I don't have anything else to say about it. Do you? <laughs> Not really. Not yeah. really. No, I think it's time to, um, to turn the page, move on. First Big 12 game. Very, 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 what I think is a very, very good opponent. I think UC's going to have their work cut out for him. And, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Do you think at, by this, like, I know we kind of think like the 11 a.m. thing, it's going to be 11 a.m. for Oklahoma in this game, but they do this so much that that's not like it's not a big this deal. This isn't foreign to them. They've their fan bases, their fan base, uh, 
basically like when it came out that it was 11 if you read like the twitter mentions it was a ton of oklahoma people being like oh look another 11 o'clock game like right that's yeah you're the you you and texas were the premier team if you wanted to be on big noon kickoff or you it was at 11 o'clock like if fox was if fox was showing your so like no i don't think that matters at all yeah i think it's something that like is easy for a Cincinnati fan to look at and say, like, oh, it's going to be early for them. But, like, no. they do this all the time. Yeah. Like, it's it's ingrained in the culture it's, it's, of playing it's, And it's Oklahoma. also one hour. We're not talking yeah. about, like, Oregon going to play Florida. Like, it's one hour. You start your day at 6.30 instead of 7.30 or something like that. Like, it's not a big deal. So... Um. No, GMAC, I'm not, you. I'm not getting into all that about Satterfield. I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. It's worn me out. <laughs> um, Kevin Frank says I'm expecting a different D from Cincinnati from last week. Back to the in-your-face pressure. Gabriel's over eighty percent and under pressure. Do those two sentences make a lot of sense to you, Kevin? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Will be some I mean, interesting things to follow as the game progresses. I agree. I'm just, I'm just as an observationalist reading this message. If he's over eighty percent when under pressure, that might not be the play. That's, I mean, that to me is the story of this game. Is I think like Colin was talking about SMU and then playing cloud coverage and cover three, and to me that's just like prolonging the net. That's death by a thousand cuts. They weren't going to win the game, so they just made it look closer than it was by doing that. I they, think it was 14 to 11 in the middle of the third quarter. Yeah, but they still, you know, they never but led. Look, like, we, saw, we saw strange things happen. Like Right, but my point is, is that playbook in our defense? I don't know. <clears throat> like, you can say, well, we should do this, and if I'm a coach, I'm going to go, uh, yeah, we don't, though, because we're not good at it. Like, do you think they sent the house at Miami? No, it wasn't. I mean, I don't want to get into that game anymore, but like that was part of well, the we're, we're comparing, right? The that question was, that was thing. part of the confusion to me, whatever you want to call it. Like, offensive and defensive game plan against Pitt versus Miami. I didn't under like it, didn't look anything like I thought it was going to look. Is it smart? To send the house of Dylan Gabriel over and over again. Well, I mean, not if you're gonna like, not if you're gonna play all man. But like, they didn't send the house at Blake Gabber or Brent Gabber, whatever the hell his name is, and then couldn't get to him with three or four man pressures, and then got beat because of it. So like, if you can't like, don't play in your face bump and run man coverage if you're not gonna make the quarterback throw the ball earlier than he wants to yeah that's the part i didn't understand like if you only want to rush four and play zone behind it i'm cool with that like smu apparently did like yeah you go score great it's going to take you 12 plays and six minutes because you're going to have to pick up three first downs and the longest play we're going to give you is 14 yards and if that's the way it goes that's the way it goes like i just didn't get what we did last week we're like we played our typical back end defense without really what I saw at least without really 
you know, six man, five, six, seven man pressures. And that scares me against that scares me against Oklahoma because they will run quick game. They will run jet sweep pop pass. They will run slant. So like and if you leave the the middle like this, where our right. D line is up here and all your DBs and, and coverage are back here, they will do this all day for 15, for 17, for 20, for 25. Yeah, so it kind of gets into the idea of like, okay, we're gonna pressure. But then if you're not getting there, dudes are going to be open. I mean, we can talk about this is the best defense UC's played. Well, it's, or OU's played. It's also absolutely the best offense we've played. So if you and think the best defense. Yeah. If you think we've had trouble covering Miami and Pitts receivers, what the hell do you think is going to happen Saturday? Right. Yeah. Like, unfortunately, I – I hope I'm as wrong about this game as I was again about the Miami game. I see two outcomes. Bearcats lose by a medium amount or Bearcats lose by a shit ton. Because I just don't know how we slow that offense down because our offense is not built to go touchdown for touchdown with somebody. Here's – okay, so it, I know you don't want to talk about the Miami game, but I, I'm going to use that in relation to the Oklahoma game. Sure. I'm just, I just meant like we don't need to relitigate. Let me let me make my point. Here's the other thing that would that would drastically concern me in predicting a Cincinnati victory. Do you have faith that if Cincinnati plays Ben but don't break, they cannot break in the red zone against Oklahoma? Enough time, right? right. Enough time. I, I don't feel great about Oklahoma getting to the red zone eight times and only scoring twice because. Like, even if you go back to that, like, if you go back to the 2019 game against UCF with Dylan Gabriel quarterback, they, they exactly had, what happened. Yeah, they bogged. I mean, Ken, what, Jeffries had game, Jeffries yep. had an interception in the, the red zone. zone. Like, yeah, they had they had problems in the red zone, for sure. They settled for field goals. They went for it. <laughs> like, they, they, they it, it was exactly, it was almost the, like a very similar thing to what happened uh, against Miami. Yeah. I, when I look at this defense, I, I do not have yet, and maybe it'll get there, but I do not have yet the like confidence that they're going to bend but not break. Yeah, like I, I have mean, confidence they can do the bend part, where they keep things in front of them, they slow the game down, they make Oklahoma take eight, nine plays to get to the red zone. But are you confident? And then that's rhetorical. Are you confident that when they get there? Cincinnati is going to be able to to make interceptions, to to cause a timely fumble, to get a stop on third and one and fourth and one from the five to reset downs and give them four more plays. Like that's the stuff that right now, like we don't know. Yeah. I, I don't feel like like in 2019 and then even more, obviously in 2021, I just let teams get to the red zone. They're not fucking scoring. Right. Doesn't matter how many yards they put up. Tulsa, Tulsa couldn't score in eight plays from the one, two yard one. line. Right. Like <laughs> so. Like when I look at this, my fear is this is a defense that can do the bend part. Can they do the not break part? Right. I, I don't feel great about that yet. Now maybe they they do that against Oklahoma, and Oklahoma gets five, six, seven red zone trips and only gets one or two touchdowns. 
Um, and then we'll have a different conversation on Monday. But today, today, I look at that and go, I don't know. I don't have a ton of confidence in it. Yeah, I mean, my 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 game plan for UC win is just be uber effective running the ball, hit some big plays, which they have the capability to do in the past game. And Collins mentioned that, you know, their secondary is weak slash injury has some injuries. And then defensively, you have to like, you have to force some turnovers. You have to make, you can't just get stops in this game. Like you can't just force three and out. So you can't just give up a couple first downs and get a stop. Like they need to flip field. They need cause a fumble interception, run something back. Like, that's how they win, in my opinion. Like, you know, you have another game from Emory where he's a, a real running threat and hits on some of the balls that maybe he missed against Miami. You get whatever running back play, you know, gets the majority of the carries, has has a game similar to Kiner at Pitt or Monty last week. So, um, but to me, it, it kind of just comes down to like, I think the defense is good, but this is not 2021 right UC defense as of now and are we really in a game where the other team is going to want to push the tempo and we're going to want to slow it down so like how how does that back and forth play work are we are you know are we going to hold them to under 35 points and if they do or if they don't like I just don't know how we score 35 without um some of the stuff that I just mentioned, like being boosted by the defense, making some, some big plays. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I just have a hard time finding like if there was a matchups article that did like, you know, this versus this, this for, you know, wide receivers versus DBs on both sides, like O-line, D-line on both sides. Like I, I have a hard time finding Anywhere that Cincinnati has a significant advantage. Like I, there's maybe, you know, maybe the D-line versus Oklahoma's O-line, there's a slight advantage. But Oklahoma's given up what? One sack all year? Mm, I, I I did not look that up. But like, Chad, like. I believe I've heard one sack. We had a significant advantage against Miami's offensive line. And I don't really think the D-line did anything in that game. And there was. Two sacks. There was what five tackles for loss. Five or so six TFLs, and that, but that might not all be attributed to the D line, right? But generally, like if your linebackers are getting tackles for loss, your D line is occupying guys and getting them free. Yeah. Like it's an indication. Of you know what I'm saying? Like play. I, I yeah. would have expected no, like them saying. to dominate Miami's yeah. offensive line. They dominated Pitt's offensive line. Like, there were guys running free against Pitt's offensive line all day. I, I did not have anywhere in my mind that Miami's O-line was going to, like, basically stonewall UC. Yeah. That that was, that was like, you could have, you could have, like, bet me $100 at, at bad odds that UC's D-line was going to be neutralized. I would have lost... Almost well, as much as I lost betting on the game. <laughs> All the monies. All of the monies. Yeah. One sack in three games. So this talk that Oklahoma's line is, you know, suspect, 
They've allowed one sack in three games. And it's, you're a relative, team, it's relative. <laughs> you're a team that relies on sacks to, to fuel your defense and to help protect a secondary that's, you know. Yeah, like that's that's my biggest concern is that if Sammy doesn't play, our second so have, our secondary depth will be incredibly tested. Like I had someone bring up to me something I didn't remember, Dave. Do you remember the Fenway Bowl? I try not to. That's I why mean, I don't remember this. I, I remember it happened. <laughs> do you remember what do you remember Sammy Anderson in the Fenway Bowl? Um, I don't remember any particular person in the Fenway Bowl. He took a nap in the Fenway Bowl. And then the next time he was on the field was Eastern Kentucky. And what happened? Yeah. He took another nap. And as they, you know, like, like that's, that's not great. Right. When you have a guy that has played in his past two games, he's taken two naps. That's, they are going to be ultra 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 conservative yeah you don't need a Tua Tungavailoa situation on your hands right so he is going to be handled very much with kid gloves um I think Justin Harris has done a decent job we have talked about that I do not think he has been as bad as uh some people think but he has been on the wrong end of no I I agree but of like, more than a few like like this issues. this week in particular, decent job ain't gonna cut it. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just the matter of like who's next and who's now. Like everybody has to ra- like step up a spot when Sa- with, with Sammy out. And we already had questions about the the secondary as a whole, just from a inexperienced slash. I think it's safety. They've been okay. I agree. I think threats has been good. I think Taj Ward has had a couple bad plays, but he's had more, far more good plays than bad. Right. So, I mean, if you feel pretty good about Jordan Young, Justin, we know what Justin is. He's a grabby DB. Like, are they going to call it or not? You know, but this is a different type of wide receiver than they faced so far this year. And with a guy like Drake Stoops in the slot, I'm going to be very interested to see how that, matchup goes and they just have more de- like you're talking about whether they have whether they're new or inexperienced or whatever like everybody running routes for OU is a four four star or five star yeah like we didn't play any of those guys last year we haven't played any of those guys this year it's just different and I think this needs to be talked about Cincinnati does not do what almost every team in the country does right now. Let's put five DBs on the field. I love Deshaun Pace. We're going to find out Deshaun Pace in that nickel role. Can he truly guard like a high end slot receiver? I, yeah, I, I have concerns there. Not that I think Deshaun is not good. Like, he's one of the best players on this Cincinnati defense. But you have moved him from linebacker. Deshaun. Nickel. Deshaun. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Deshaun Pace. You have moved him from linebacker essentially to nickel corner, right? Yeah. That's what the star position is in this defense. The, the three quote-unquote linebackers 
and really it's a, a three two like a, a four two five mm-hmm. because Gretchik's a <laughs> yeah, pass rusher. Right. It's a four. It's it's a it's a three four. Like that's why I've always called this a three four because I I think there are four linemen including Gretchik. There are three linebackers including Pace, and there's only four defensive backs. That is a choice. Does that choice pay off with the first real test of getting Deshaun Pace covering a slot receiver all game? Yeah. That concerns me, Dave. Yeah, I mean, I just because we haven't seen it. Like if they're going to put Jaleel Farouk, Andrew Anthony, Drake Stoops out there, and then I don't, I don't know what you know what they're based, you know, or if they really use tight ends or if they go four wide, like. I just don't love our matchups there. Like we're n- we're not there yet. Like I'm I'm not like I think there's a, a line like criticizing versus being critical. Like I try to be critical of what I see, but not criticize right. individuals. But like, you know, Taj is not a four three four low four four guy. Like Justin is not that type of guy. Like can these guys just straight up run with these dudes? Or are we going to get in a situation where it's bomb, you know, bombs over Baghdad, outcasts, and they're just chucking it deep every other play and either completing it or getting another PI call? They are going to go over the top. I mean, they if look, you watched UC play the last two weeks, right. why why would you not? Like, here's so, the thing that's so wild is to there, me. Is there a zone defense in what Brian Brown does? Right. Here's what's wild to me. Two things. Um, one, if you look like they only allowed 22 completions over the last two games. And we are still talking about the secondary. Right. Like we should be, if you go through a game in college football in 2023 and you allow 11 completions a game, we should be talking about maybe the best secondary in the country. But rightfully so, we have concerns because of how what has happened on some of those completions. And the pass interferences that have also stacked up. I mean, what? There were three in the pit game, three in the Miami game on just straight routes down the sideline? Something like that, at least. Yeah. I I think, like, at minimum, six or seven pass interferences straight down the field. Like, so that's seven splash plays you've allowed close to like it depends on your def- my definition and Aaron's definition <laughs> on what's I, mean, I, I call I call 15 yard pass interference penalty a splash play because not only is it 15 yards but, but several they, several of them have happened on third down so you're now you're right. giving them a, a a free set of downs right well yeah Paul because they're not allowing many completions like this is this is a product of what we just talked about. They have not allowed many completions. The completions they have allowed have been loud, right? Like we are not seeing teams have looked at this defense and said, we're not doing a lot of the, the silly swings, not silly, but like swings and bubble screens. And yeah, there isn't like, been not, very much horizontal stuff. It's been drop no. back and chuck it. Right. So yeah, that's what's going to happen. When and especially if you allow 22 completions in two games and one of them is a is a 80 yard touchdown or 79 yard touchdown, then your numbers are going to be awful. 
and because there were only 22 completions and one of them was a bomb. Uh, there was another, what, 30 yards, the really yeah. difficult catch on the sideline against Miami was 30 plus yards. And then Pitt had a couple. So yeah, like you're not allowing them to catch the ball. You're not allowing what is so common in today's football. Three, four, five yards in the air, and then trying to let a guy, you know, make. And now make you're play. now you're playing a quarterback who's roughly eighty-five percent passing and leads the Big Twelve in completion percentage on twenty-plus air yard throws. Right. So, like, you think they're just going to start throwing five-yard uh, speed up speed outs? <laughs> right. Uh, they've allowed ten pass plays of twenty more yards or more through three games. Like that's. Three chunk plays a game is not terrible in 2023 college football. No, but when you juxtapose it against the number right. of completions, right. yeah, it's, it's, it's a third of your completions are, that you're allowing are going for over 20 yards. Right. Then it's a problem. So that's like that's what I'm getting at. I'm right. not saying it's not a problem. I'm oh, no, saying it's, it's, it's a problem. problem. <laughs> it's absolutely a problem. It's just a weird problem. Because we have not seen anybody like, like really move the ball down the field via because the pass. it's it's the lowest percentage play on offense, right? And it they're getting been, beat by the lowest percentage play, and it's been the most successful, right? So, like, I, I'm not defending it; I'm just putting no. it in context, trying and, to put it in, and context. that's why I just in this matchup with the way their offense is playing right now. I just find it hard to believe that if we play the same defense that we've been playing through three games, that those things are going to change against a better opponent and that we're going to slow them down enough to, to get the win. So like, it's, it's it's a hard, you know, thing for me to kind of try to decipher. And Paul, with another good point, but here, this is another thing that's been an an anomaly to me. 92 in yards allowed per pass attempt. But that's because because the completions are going for a ton of yards. Well, also, they're not allowing a lot of plays, which is going to be drastically different against Oklahoma, which is why I'm afraid this is going to be the worst of your two scenarios. Uh, I don't remember how many plays Pitt ran, but Miami only ran like 50 well, plays. Well, I know how many plays Pitt ran because – I general idea. Because Dracovic was 10 of 32, and they gave the ball to running backs 18 times. So I don't know how many times he counted as a run play, but that's 50 plays right there. And so if right. he ran the ball 10 times, which I don't even know if he ran the ball 10 times, that's 60 plays. Miami only didn't even run 50 plays. Right, there's like 48 plays or whatever. So or 54 you're, plays you're looking, and we ran like night. Like, and it's Eastern Kentucky did not run a lot of plays. 61 for Pittsburgh. Ran 61. Yeah. So, yeah. so 110 plays, 55 plays a game. So yeah, like Paul, that, that this all lines up with what we're expressing in the concern that Oklahoma wants, if Oklahoma runs 80 plays, they're probably going to be pissed that that's not enough. Right. Unless they just, unless these numbers hold up. If if Oklahoma runs 80 plays and our pass defense numbers hold up, that means they're going to complete like 10 passes of of like 40 yards. (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
And that is there in lies right. my issue with this game. Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, I'm just trying to look like take because we're still in the small sample size like realm in terms of like for sure where teams rank nationally. Like there are at at three games, there are reasons why you're ranked where you're at. At seven or eight games, like you are who you are. Like um, they've played two absolutely terrible teams like Oklahoma yes yes but they've been insanely efficient and good in both of those games right so like yeah they were bad but guess what we did exactly what we were supposed to do to them from the minute we started there was no playing with our food there was no fluky touchdowns and, and like we beat that ass from jump street so it doesn't to me. It doesn't really matter how bad they were because Oklahoma did exactly what we would think we would do you know, in 2021. Like we did exactly what we thought we would do. Right, Paul. I don't give a shit about the numbers anymore. Like we've we've gone through this for 10 minutes now. I yeah, I know. Like we've talked about it for 10 minutes. I don't need any more numbers. Like we we've already talked about why they look like how they look like, but. Now, juxtaposing those positions against Oklahoma, oh boy. Oh boy. Right. Yeah. Like, it's going to have to be a lot different than what the what the Bearcats have shown so far if they're going to hold up against right. Oklahoma. And that's why I said at the beginning of this segment, maybe they can bet. I'm oh. just worried about the only way they can not break. Only, in my opinion, the only way they can bend is if they can mix zone and man. There's no bending in man against Oklahoma's offense. That's fair. Like, there's probably just going to be guys. Well, at some point, I mean, shaking a tackle and running at, to the end zone. At some point, right? Like, you might get them on a series or two. But, like, if you just line up man on man and just play your four DBs against their four pass catchers, like, how many times out of 10 do you think we're going to stop them? And Dylan Gabriel, say what you will about him. I'm not a big Dylan he's, Gabriel guy. He's fucking playing awesome right now. He is. Like, can I finish my thing? Yes, you sure can. He is extremely accurate. Like, that. that is the one thing. He's not a runner. He's not a guy that's going to, like, do a lot of, like, get out in space and beat you in space. But he is extremely accurate. And he, if you're gonna, if you're gonna put his receivers in man-to-man coverage, guess what, Dave? That dude's gonna complete a lot of passes. He's gonna complete a lot of passes. Yeah, that's what I mean. I just, you know, I, I totally agree. Like, I love the aggressiveness of the offense and the defense. Live and yeah. die by it. But like, you gotta have. There a, are matchups. You have where... to. Have a, you have to have a secondary pitch. I'm not saying you got to use it 50 percent of the time, but like, I mean, what's my favorite Mick Cronin quote? You got to dance all the dances. You got to be able to dance all the dances. You can't say, "This is what we do," and we're and yeah. we're not doing anything else. At like, you can't because not, not against the the you know highest levels of the sport. They are, they are, I believe, the most efficient team in the country. Yeah. I mean, if the quarterback's so, complete 85% of his passes, 
and you scored and you scored what 73 they only scored 28 against smu and then i think in the fifth i think 66 last week so they've scored like basically 150 points in three games <laughs> so you know yeah they they got it going right now on offense and that's why like we haven't really talked about our offense versus their defense because I'm not sure it matters. Right. Because, like, I think our offense can do some things against their defense, like running you know, running the ball with the receivers against their DBs. But, like, are we, you know, are we going to, if they score 38, are we scoring 42? Right. Um, and I think Holden, Freeman, Holden, Holden to 38. Hold him to 38 would be would be like damn good. Successful against Gabriel dropping eight in coverage. He still threw for 300 yards in that game. Now they had the the interception uh, in the red zone, right at the end zone, uh, and then they had the sauce interception. I don't remember the third one um, in that game. Was, was it a it, linebacker? It was. Uh, I remember a line. It was Jarrell. They were about to score again. Jarrell? The ball got like yeah. tipped up and he grabbed it. So they threw yeah. two red zone interceptions. Yeah. So like miss me with the whole like like they, they did such a great job. Yeah, Jarrell. Jarrell, Sauce, and Cam Jeffries. Um dropping eight, like they just they did what <laughs> Miami did. So they let you get inside all, the 15. All three interceptions, two. They probably would have at least kicked field goals on. And the other one, we returned for a touchdown. <laughs> that was also, like, they had their backs against the wall on that one. Yeah, I mean, they that were was on only their... like a 20-yard like a yard. Yeah, they, were, they, they took it, they snapped it from, I think, inside their own 10. Yeah. Like, he just That's what I'm up, saying. Like, it was a, uh, you know, we, two, our two interceptions were inside our own red zone, which, you know, more than likely they're getting at least three. Right. And then our intercept, you know, the other one resulted in, in points for us. Right. So but, I don't feel great, Dave. No, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't either. I don't feel great. If I, if I felt a little bit better that this defense would bow their back inside the 20 and, and have the answers uh, to really confuse Gabriel again, I, I would feel a little better. One, I think they're going to, Probably hit a touchdown or two over the top. If you text me and told me that Brian Brown told you at practice the other day that they were going to run zone 30% of the time, I'd feel a lot better about this game. <laughs> what, what if I told you they're in zone 30% of the time and, and they were bad at it? I'd still feel better about being in man 100% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Score prediction. Um, 41-21 OU. Yeah, I think I'm probably in the same vicinity. I, I, The thing I think that could maybe keep it close is if Cincinnati does maybe manage to control tempo early and you, and then you at least like get Oklahoma out of their rhythm because we, we've seen two games where like just from the absolute fucking kickoff, it was an avalanche. Like they did that to Arkansas State. They did that to Tulsa, where it was 
it was 28 nothing before people were done like and, in their, and to use credit they have played very good first quarters i mean early yeah we you know they should have been up 14-7 right away even with that touch to larvidae and like we went right down the field and scored picked them off ran it back to the eight you score there you got 14-7 like you get one been, more stop and a touchdown it's over right so like not going to discredit that at all but it the importance of doing that again is heightened even more when you're going up against an offense that can score in three plays. Yeah. And especially when you know your way to victory is run the ball, run the quarterback, control the clock, control tempo, keep their offense off the field. You give up a couple of those plays. I mean, that game plans out the window. You're chucking right. it with, with them. And we're not chucking it with them. Like, we're just not. Uh, unless we find out that maybe just running Xavier Henderson and, and Braden Smith deep might be just the best. Like, <laughs> that might be the thing this offense needs. Yeah. I mean, but, but can you keep Emory Jones upright long Emory, enough? Emory missed a, a deep shot to D. Wiggins in that game last week, too, that would have made a, a huge difference. When you know. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about my thoughts on that again. I've, I've covered it a bunch of times. That play specifically? Yes. Oh, I, that's fine. If you didn't hear it, I'll go quickly. No, you don't even need to because I'm sure most I, I, everybody else has. So, Well, if not, <laughs> maybe you have to. I, I think Emery threw the straight fly route, and at the end of D. Wiggins' route, he started drifting a little to the middle to give – because he beat the guy like a drum. Yeah. So I, I think he had taken a couple steps toward the middle on his route to give him a bigger – throw radius and Emory had already thrown it when he did that because if you I was standing right there on the sideline if he continues straight down the sideline that ball is right in his breadbasket but he kind of he didn't run it he didn't cut it to the post but he just kind of gave him a little bit of a wider yeah uh like catch radius and Emory had already let go of the ball by the time yeah Wiggins I think they I mean I think they definitely like OU is not a pass rush team like I'm not super concerned about that um I still am you just got like I, you got you, in this game especially like you got to take some shots yeah you know you get to the four you know the you know I don't know what they call every yard marker now is like called something but like once you get to your own 40 like you got to put one out there yeah like you got to take some shots and see what they have back there, because I mean, according to Colin, it's it's suspect, right? Whether it's just the play in general or some guys are are banged up, like we've got the dudes. Like take some shots. Uh, interesting question from Craig. When the coin toss, take the ball. I mean, I would do it every game anyway, but yes, absolutely. So what what have we seen in three games, Dave? Straight Colin mentioned on the first drive, right? Yeah. Colin yeah. mentioned the same thing. I don't know if you were here for that or not, Chad, but Colin mentioned the same thing. He said, "If you're Cincinnati, yeah. you, you do that." He mentioned it for different reasons. Like he he mentioned it in terms of like Cincinnati running the ball and trying to control the clock. Right. That's not what they've done in the first three games. They well, have gone to the air, I mean, ping, ping, ping. Whether touchdown. it's ten plays, fifteen plays, whatever, their beginning game script has been very good. So why take the chance that you're down seven nothing? Paul, I was 
two yards from the play. I was standing on the sidelines two yards from the play. The ball landed. If he would have continued to run the fly route, it landed right there. I was two yards from him. You're arguing with me to argue tonight, Paul. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Need to beat Henderson again. That's going to come down to Miami created that. Miami was not going to let Xavier Henderson get over the top. They were playing seven yards off of them. And him and Emory Jones just decided, all right, then we're gonna we're gonna eight yard them to death. And I'm gonna try to make a catch and then make a cut and get upfield. But do you really think Oklahoma's just gonna get? I mean, maybe they do. Maybe they have the same game plan that we're not gonna let him take the top off and we'll give him 140 yards receiving and no touchdowns. Right? Yeah, I mean, I I would test their, you know, Con talked about the the ends. I would test their ends with, you know, movement and you know, motion. You know, you have a young or inexperienced secondary. I'd be motion, orbit motion, bring that option shit back with Aaron Turner. Like, just get them. I don't love against a team with speed. I don't love the. Yeah, but the to option. me, it's more about discipline than speed. Like. Yeah, Doing, but they can blow your shit up before you can have this. But they're he, but they're hesitant because they've never seen it live. I don't. I don't. No, I mean, I'm 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 tape, trying right? to I'm trying to move people around, make them like you just give them stagnant looks. It's it's much easier to play defense. Like, yeah, but if you give a linebacker the chance to to run the alley and and blow up the option, like. That's, I, that's, that's on, on your tape already. That's your quarterback and and everything making the, like. They almost had a blow up against them in the Miami game. Yeah, and luckily Ryan Montgomery picked it up and, and gained six yards. Run it, got to run it better. Uh, uh, have I seen any practices with Xavier Henderson jump on the red zone? Yeah, I think it's really hard to do from two yards out. Like that's what I talked about in like. I said that to Tony. Um, we were in the end zone, like watching towards the end of the game. And he's like, why not jump ball? And I'm like, well, a jump ball with with 12 yards of space, like the chance you lose the DB there is very low, right? Like maybe, maybe more of a back shoulder where they think it's going to be a jump ball or like something. But I don't love the fade from the two. Do you? I am I? Am I? I I don't like the fade. Period. Ever. Right. <laughs> like run a speed. You don't out. mind like, it if you're at like the eight, the nine, where you give him a little bit of a chance to like big boy, like to really get one on one. Yeah, there's not enough space. There's not enough space to set it up from the right. two. As the DB, I don't have to worry about getting beat deep. So I'm right, right in your shit. And as soon as right. the snap goes, I'm running you out of bounds right and if you're already doing a fade and you're heading that way it's very easy to for me to just body you and let you go out of bounds right i don't love it from there like if you're at the eight the nine the 11 like i, I think it's a better play um with a guy like xavier henderson that's i mean I, you know from that part from that part i'm spreading you out and i'm running a slant and hot and throwing it up high and using your size that way. Right. Because then you're boxing out the DB. He has to come through you. 
to get to the ball and anybody coming from the other side, if it's high, like, yeah, you might get a rib shot, but like, that's the only place to put it. Cause if you put it lower, like there's tra more traffic there. Right. And they did try to run a slant G off to, uh, to D Wiggins and Miami played it perfectly. The guy came in with his backhand over the top. They tried to run a, like a quick slant from the two and the Miami DB played it as well as you could play it. That's what I was screaming for. Like, I love those just quick slants. Pipe, throw, beat the DB, make the mm -hmm. catch. And I thought the Miami guy played it great. Yeah. They tried to, they tried to dig. Guy, guy fell. Like, yeah. I, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Cause I mean, I think we've seen through three weeks, we talked in the off season about his honesty and transparency. And I think in reviewing the game, Coach Satterfield, you know, was pretty open about it on Tuesday. Like, yeah, I probably could have, you know, called some things a little bit different, whether it was in the red zone or just the overall uh, offensive game plan. So we'll see, like, you know, what what that leads this to this week. That's how stories are written, Dave, chapter by chapter. But we're about yeah. to get a very interesting chapter. Yes, we are. Do you um do you does your mood that you maybe are expecting Oklahoma to win this game impact your ability to to consume at the Simone family tailgate no, Saturday morning? That never has any bearing on it. Uh, what will have a bearing on it is uh, my, my job job. Uh, uh, I will be. I thought you were uh, going to talk about your stomach stomach. Well, no, that that'll be gone by then. That was just today, last night, and today. Um, my job job. I will be up very early tomorrow morning, working downtown for the wellness festival uh, all day and who knows how long into the night, and then everything starts uh, for real on Friday, and I'll have another. Uh, early morning, long day. So within noon kickoff, I'm not sure how um, how much spunk. I'm, Are they going to require you to work Saturday morning? No, it's in my contract. I don't have to work on game days. Weekends? <laughs> oh, on game days? Well, I should say home game days. We've we've obviously done the festival for two years, and they've had a home game both Saturdays. Okay. So I assume if it was a road game, I would I would be working. I'm not going to be like. Yeah, I, I just can't come in today. I got to sit on my couch and watch this game. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure that would fly. Although they're they're very nice and very accommodating to my um, extracurricular activity. demanding schedule. Right, but uh, I yeah, I'm probably going to be pretty damn tired. So it might be might be tough to you know get things jump started. So I would put the right. I would put the number a little bit lower than usual and. You know, and you just typically can't really get going as much as you can for a three thirty or seven o'clock game. Right. It's difficult. It's not easy. I will do my best, but I have faith in you. Like, I will I give, I will give my all for the Bearcats. <laughs> do you have anything else on Oklahoma? I don't really have anything else on Sooners. No. Very excited though. I mean. Big noon kickoff, box at noon. Like, it's, it's a very big day. Yeah, it is. Big day on campus. Um, a lot of excitement. 
Sounds like there will be, be quite a few uh, visitors, whether it's for football or basketball. I'm yes. sure we'll, you know, we'll have a, a con more confirmed list uh, probably tomorrow, but but no, it should be tomorrow a very Friday. I, I want to like the the list for for football visitors is always difficult on a noon game. Right. How many? These are kids that are playing Friday night and getting you know getting done at 11, 12 o'clock, and then if they're any distance away, that's a er, like early. They it, tell it you they're gonna, they tell you they're going to come and then they get banged up a little bit in their game or they're just right worn out or something. They're like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Right, and a lot of times, like if you're from out of state. You better get in the car like after the game. Well, I wonder. I wonder if St. Joe's Prep doesn't have a game because Samaj and they're all, yeah, they're yeah, they're all yeah. coming. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I wonder if they're bringing their West Virginia wide receiver commit with them as well. <laughs> I mean, he might not be going anywhere. They beat Pitt. Pitt might be bad, bad, and that is not as good of. <laughs> as we thought it was in a couple weeks <laughs> yeah that that's uh they might need to change quarterbacks dave cool I don't, that guy's like not a playable power five quarterback right now uh him without flowers might be uh yeah might be real telling you think because uh apparently he could just like throw the ball to one guy and get that might be baltimore's best offensive player besides lamar yeah he's he's good Already, he's played two NFL games. Uh, that's a timestamp. More Oklahoma, I guess, is that timestamp. Brought to you by our good friends at Turtles Brew. Zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free, bourbon-infused sweet tea. The flavors are cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla. There's 50 locations in greater Cincinnati. If you want to find one close to you, go to turtlesbrew.com. They've got a, a location tracker and more information. They are in Cincinnati, Toledo, and expanding now in Central Ohio. 6% ABV. I think they would be great if maybe you just, you know, add a little, uh, add a little oh, extra bourbon. A little dabble, do you? A little, a little, a little sprinkle, drip, drip. Oh, I, just scared. I scared her because I was so shocked she, she jumped up. <laughs> it's okay. Come on. Um, but no, I was going to say, uh, did we ever talk in the roughly decade that we were in the American? Did we ever talk about another American game as much as we've talked about this Oklahoma game? We've talked about the Oklahoma game for an hour and a half. An hour and a half. I don't know that we've ever talked about any game. Maybe Alabama. I'm sure we talked about Alabama for a long time. I'm sure we talked about Georgia. I just mean like not not counting college. No, no. I'm just I'm I'm making a like a, a, yeah. a broad statement i mean i don't know maybe maybe we had a long ucf segment here or there i not don't think not even familiar, the, the, not familiar. the aac title games did we talk about tulsa and houston no i'm sure i'm sure most of the houston talk was revolved around like if they won dana. yeah or making fun of dana you might not be able to make fun of dana for much longer it's unfortunate. It really is. I like that guy. He's got some clips, but yeah, he's got something. All right. All right. Let's get into uh, 
we're going to do the Big 12 look ahead uh, on the nightcap tonight. So uh, let's let let's do the home field segment here on what is an awesome week of games on paper. I I, I want to get to something after I do this, but um, it's home I, fields. Camden's kickoff. They're here to make sure you are ready for the 2023 football season. Uh, they have a promo code if you have not uh, got your Cincinnati Bearcats home field apparel. It's BCJ23. New customers get 15% off, and the gear is awesome. Awesome. Joggers, hoodies, quarter zips, crewnecks, T-shirts, you name it. Any type of uh, like look that you want, they have it. They have the old school designs, they're all fantastic. It is super comfortable. The material on everything that they, they sell is uh, exactly what you're looking for. So BCJ23 is the promo code. And they will get you taken care of. Homefieldapparel.com. I uh, I don't have any. I'm not going to tell say any specific Big Twelve game, um, but even if the Bearcats lose this week and say they lose next week at BYU, I'm not super discouraged just because like I think the Big Twelve is kind of not great. Down. It's down. And down is a fair word. And we, so far, I think we had realistic expectations that like five or six wins, like, yeah, we're not going to like hang a banner, but like we'd be like, yeah, that's a pretty good starting point with a new staff. You mean conference wins. Yes. No, no, I mean, just like overall, five or six wins for the season. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would be happy with five. I think people would be happy with six. I mean, I, yeah, I said five and seven, six and six. So like, it's not that big of a difference to me. Um, but, like, after these next two games, four of the teams you play the rest of the year are – I'm not saying UC will be prohibitive favorites or whatever, but, like, they're not good either. Right. So, it's, you know, it's still very much a, a schedule that could could turn out well for them just because of who they're playing is not having good years at all. I mean, they they just appear to not be good. Yeah. Like, there's not a a good quarterback in that bunch that you're talking about. Their defense doesn't look like, just as a whole, like, okay, of course, Iowa State looks to be pretty good on defense, but they can't score. score. They scored seven points against OU. Yeah. (laughs) And, I mean, there's some, there's some not great teams in the, the, the middle to bottom of the big 12 right now. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a quite a game this week between Iowa state and Oklahoma state that like the loser of that one's not feeling great about the rest of their season. (laughs) Kicking off big 12 play with a, Oh boy. We better win this one. How we looking? Not good. Yeah. So Um, yeah, it's, you know, we want to win them all, but we were also pretty, realistic i think of what the bearcats had this year yeah um i mean the the what's what's your most intriguing game of the week the most watched game of the week is a no-brainer it's also gonna be colorado oregon no 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 you Ohio's, don't think that's going to be the most watched game of the week? Over Ohio State and Notre Dame, the two biggest brands in the entire country? 
They had nine and a half million people watch Colorado, Colorado State in the middle of the fucking night. I, I don't disagree, and it might do a better number, but like there is no more intriguing. I'm talking or, about the number. Like who like people I are mean, going to the 330 window. They're going everybody is going to be watching Colorado, Oregon. Is that game at 330? Yeah. If you told me they were going up against each other, I would agree with you. I mean, I that doesn't like that's not even on my radar of games to watch this week. Okay. The hype around Colorado right now. Yeah, and it'll be 35-7 in the second quarter. So they might lose. <laughs> they might not. If without game without, in, without Travis practice. Hunter, without Travis Hunter, yeah. I'm not sure how they keep Oregon from scoring 60. If that game is close in the second half, it's going to do one of the largest numbers in college football history. Because people right now are just fascinated by Colorado. Everybody is watching. Everybody. Oh, yeah. That, that the Colorado State stuff was insane. That like at two in the morning it was still pulling like a yeah, you know, a ridiculous like eight hundred thousand people were still watching. Millions. Millions. Yeah, but to me it's watching that game. To me it's Ohio State and Notre Dame. Because it's gonna tell it's gonna tell us more than likely it's gonna tell us something about both teams. And the winner of that game, like if Notre Dame wins that game, I'm like, that's a playoff team. Like they're yeah. good. They're good, good. I love, you know what I love about that game? Is we have seen the past two days, three days, nothing but Notre Dame folks being like, we can't let Ohio State fans in. And they mentioned Georgia and they mentioned some of the other games at Notre Dame, the big games where the opposing fan bases all get in. And they I've not seen anybody once mention the most dominant takeover of Notre Dame Stadium that maybe the world has ever seen. <laughs> Would that place look like a fucking Christmas tree? Yeah, it was definitely our game or the Georgia game, that's for sure. The Georgia game was maybe a little, like Georgia might have got a few more people in there, but uh, I have not seen Cincinnati mentioned, so that made yeah. me laugh. Whatever on the on the whole, you know. Yeah. Don't let the opposing fan bases in. Guess what? There's going to be going to be a lot of Ohio State fans. Oh, I'm sure. There. But yeah, I mean, well, there's like, Notre Dame fans aren't stupid. They buy their season tickets. They look at the marquee game and they go, "I will be able to pay for my season tickets if I sell my two tickets." to an Ohio State fan to come to that game. This is definitely a week where I'm happy we have a noon game. There's going to be a lot. Because, from... if you know, if it's a 3.30 game, you miss all the games at 3.30, plus by, you know, by the time you get home. And if it's a 7 o'clock game, you're tailgating during the 3.30 games and then not seeing the games at right. 7. So, so there, there are only three ranked teams that play at noon. Michigan Rutgers. Our Florida game. State Clemson, which is going to be interesting, at least, maybe. Maybe. And then Oklahoma, Cincinnati. 3.30, you've got Colorado, Oregon, uh, Utah, and UCLA, both ranked. This is a fascinating fucking game to me, Ole Miss, Alabama. Have you seen the stuff Lane's been pulling? 
Oh, he's where in his press conference he said that they could tell that that he took away the defensive coordinators, coordinators. and then Andy Stables has this like conspiracy out that Lane is like if you put Lane's press conference right next to Nick's, that he's like mimicking him like with his mannerisms and like how he moves his hands and and like they're just totally like say what you will about Lane. Oh, I will say a lot. He's unbelievable. I I love love Lane. He is the greatest troll in coaching history. I mean, what did he drop? He dropped some tweet with some Taylor Swift song, like Castles Crumbling or something. That's like no one even listens to. But the lyrics are absolutely about like Saban being too old and Alabama falling apart. Like, yeah, he's so good at it. I mean, I, I still he's so good at it. I still believe this with all of my heart that at Tennessee we would have won the national championship, and three years later we would have been on probation, and it would have all been worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Ole Miss beats Alabama. I, I mean, if, if that Alabama offense is anywhere like it's been the last two weeks, then yeah, I totally agree. I, I look again. What I mean, how bad, how bad did Jalen Milrow have to be in practice for them to go? Let's start Tyler Buckner. Right. If there is any point that Tyler Buckner is your starting quarterback, you're bad. You're not good. You're not good. I don't care how good the rest of your team is. If you look at your quarterback room and go. That guy's our starter. You're not good. You're not good. I mean, then what? Guys I was listening to today were talking about, like, well, what if Saban is then pulling one over where he started Buckner on purpose while Tommy Reese is developing a totally new offensive game plan with Milrow for this game? These are people that did not watch Tommy Reese coordinate the Notre Dame offense. And they're, the gonna, and they're just gonna they're just gonna run run the ball fifty times with Milro. Maybe and, the worst hire in the country, Tommy Reese's offensive coordinator at Alabama. Maybe the worst hire in the country. Who tricked Nick Saban into that? It's an and interesting. Why one. was it Lane Kiffin? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna connect if you're gonna do the thing, the Charlie Day the dots. Lane there's, Kiffin there's, tricked. There are Nick so Saban many into hiring good, Tommy Reese. There are so many good storylines in this game. Like. Yeah. Ole Miss's defensive coordinator is Pete Golding, who was at Alabama. And every sing- every year that Alabama didn't win the national championship of recent years, he was Alabama's fans' number one reason why. So if they go in and they win with him as defensive coordinator, Alabama fans are going to lose their minds. <laughs> oh, I love it. That might be the most interesting game of the weekend. It'll be like, it'll just be a from fun like, but just from our, like, it would also be line. an extremely old Miss thing and an extremely Alabama thing get for, for Alabama to go in there and win 42 nothing or 42 yeah. 10, like something like that, yeah. something absurd. Yeah, and and Lane just gets smacked down. Uh, Duke Yukon, whatever, uh, Miami <laughs> Duke, Temple, Duke, uh, come Duke. on, uh, Tennessee, UTSA. Hasn't been great, like for the Roadrunners. Uh, Frank Harris is is very compromised. Something's up with his his knee. Um, yeah, I'm not. I feel like this is a game that um, Milton could connect on several deep balls. Like UTSA has not been the the same G five darling that they were uh, last year. You're on mute. 
Arkansas at LSU. Uh, if LSU played, more, if LSU it plays been a like more interesting game before Arkansas got beat at home by BYU. Well, if LSU plays like they did last week, they're going to blow their doors off. I mean, that was as as precise as a that was a Brian Kelly ass offense last week. <laughs> yeah. What? How, I don't know how he like they're. It's it's so spotty now. He was one of the greatest offensive minds in the country, and it's like every three weeks. It looks like a Brian Kelly offense, and the rest of it is like, what are we, what are they doing? Well, they, I mean, like they had, again, I mean, you had the Florida State game to start, and then an FCS game, so it's like, yeah, you don't, you don't really have a good sense. But to like go into Mississippi State, who's not great, but like you just went in there, and I mean, Malik Neighbors had like ten catches and 150 yards in the first half. Yeah. Uh, another super interesting game on Fox, the Pac-2. Oh, I wish that game the wasn't. The I wish that game, game wasn't the same time as the like. I need that to be like ten o'clock FS1. Right. Why is that not the 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 late late night Oregon game? State Washington State? That's a great game. Yeah. Oregon State ranked fourteen. Washington State ranked twenty-one. Both exciting offenses. Like that should be. That should be a, a really good game. Um, Florida, Charlotte, whatever. Georgia, UAB. Uh, if Georgia struggles there, then like they're going to win the game. But if that's not a dominant performance, we have to start questioning 2023 Georgia a little bit, right? I think that'll be a pretty dominant performance. I think it will, too. But it should have been last week, and it wasn't. I'm I'm not questioning anything about them right now, just until like they play someone worth a shit. Texas Baylor. If you're Texas, you can't. Baylor's the line's to... only the line's only fifteen, Dave. Not have their starting quarterback again, like yeah, the line's only fifteen, which is a little bit of a head scratcher, right? Uh, yeah, but like, how much higher is it really going to go, like? If they don't have their starting quarterback, Texas should beat them by thirty. They should, but if you but if you had the line, you had the line at thirty. You're or in the twenties. You're not like that's not what Vegas wants, right? Uh, Ohio State Notre Dame. Ohio State is favored by three. Notre Dame gets gets some starters back on defense. Sam Hartman's been a dog. He transferred to Notre Dame, and now he looks like Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> and the guy from Archer. I saw like a thing uh, where he looks just like the guy from Archer. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he like goes incognito and grows his beard out or something. Um, yeah. Like I, Ohio State put it to Western. I was kind of surprised Western didn't score more than 10 points, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, Iowa State, Penn State. No, Iowa, Penn State. Or Iowa Penn State, sorry. My bad. My bad. Um, if Drew Aller is as good as we think, like this shouldn't be close. I know the Iowa defense is good, but Iowa defense again, is, it's still the number one defense in the country per SP plus. Right. They're also uh, like last and all. Like they're, well, they're, they're no, they're up. Last year they were ninety one offense, one defense. This year they're eighty one offense, one defense. Oh well shit then. Yeah. I'm taking Iowa. Coming in strong. (laughs) The drive to 325.
So if you're Pitt, you're looking at a stretch of like Cincinnati, West Virginia, North Carolina a month ago. It's like, okay, we beat Cincinnati. We win the backyard brawl. Like we got a chance to like prove where we stand in the ACC. And now you're going to get your doors blown off by North Carolina. Although they're not standing anywhere right now. What's the, have you seen the line? On Carolina Pitt? Yeah. No, I'm not. I want you to guess. I've been quite busy. Where's the, the, I don't even know where the game is. The game is at Pitt. Uh, North Carolina minus seven and a half. Yep. Nailed it. (laughs) That seems. That's two weeks in a row that you nail the spread and I nail the spread. (laughs) Seven and a half is exactly the fucking line. I like. I may take the rest in my like gambling account that, and bet on North that Carolina. That seems, yeah, that seems like what do you know that I don't know? Because I mean, if Phil Dracovic, because North and North Carolina's defense is, I think, is actually good. You're right. Like they're not just like throwing around and trying to outscore you. Like they can actually play some defense. And Pitt can't play offense. Well, is this like a there's no way he can be this bad three weeks in a row type of thing? I guess I don't know. <laughs> UFC Arizona State. The line is 34 and a half, Dave. What's the what's the over under? 62. Oh god, hammer the over. The USC, USC over play, score 56. The US and granted they did they didn't cover the over against Stanford because it was 49 to 3 at halftime, and they didn't even try in the second half. I was like, God damn it, Stanford, you can't score like one touchdown against the scrubs. Give and give me this over. Like I, I, you can't just have have uh, USC do it on their own every game. <laughs> and then Cal Washington, uh, Washington at home, twenty and a half point favorite. Washington is awesome, and it's too bad that like no one's really seen them play this year. Yeah, that, can Michael Penix win the Heisman? Boy, you talk about a referendum. On Tom fucking do, Allen. Yeah, because I mean, like, I don't know their schedule. Like, do you know? I'm assuming they play Oregon. I don't know if they're playing USC, but like, if they win both those, if they win the Pac-12, and go, I mean, go to the playoff, then hell yeah, you can. Cal, I mean, Arizona, Oregon, Arizona State, Stanford. Uh, the ooh man, they end the season with as the rankings stand now at USC. Number five, USC, on November 4th. November 11th, they host Utah. Number 11. Yeah. Saturday, November 18th, they're at number 14, Oregon State. Oh, my Saturday, God. Saturday, November 25th, they host Washington State. Four ranked games to end the season for the no, they, they don't play Oregon? No. Uh, no, October 14th, they play Oregon. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. if they run the table, yeah, he should probably go, be in New York. <laughs> yeah, October 14th, Oregon, and then November 4th to November 25th at USC, Utah at home, at Oregon State, Washington State. I mean, I haven't really got I haven't really got to watch them and they've got he's a first I mean, he's a first round pick and they got three receivers that are probably first or second round picks. Yeah. They're a very fun offense to watch. If he wins the Heisman, I'd fire Tom Allen immediately. That guy was dog shit at Indiana. I'm not sure Tom Allen will make make it to the Heisman to be fired. It's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. I got you. <laughs> um, all right. You got anything else? 
I don't think so. Anything on the basketball front? Uh, you know, Jace Richardson and Tyler Betsy in town for visits this weekend, official visits. We'll see if there's maybe a surprise unofficial visit. I'm still working on confirming that, but um, all right, just tell some me. Some people when have when been off very, here. very good sleuths uh, on who that <laughs> might be, but uh, yeah. That when there is more, it will be on the board. Well, I, I've, had, I've had no time to sleuth, so you can just tell me when we end this I'll broadcast. I'll let you know when we get done. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, all right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to all of you. Thanks to Colin Kennedy. Great show. We will. Uh, we'll see you next time. It's the BCJ podcast presented by the Holy Grail, right here on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>